0: What's up, guys? Mike here. A little bit different this episode of The Mike Janela Show because it's two episodes. I caught up with Jesse Spector. You may know him as a former national writer for sporting news and baseball. But now he is all over the place and doing hockey and baseball and for outlets in Canada and the U.S. and a whole bunch of different places. But he's also one of the more uh, vocally outspoken members of the sports media on Twitter about our current political climate and everything that's going on in this country Outside of sports, we ended up talking uh, for over an hour, so I broke the episode into two parts. This is part one with Jesse, where we're talking about his career, how he got to sporting news, the layoffs that he endured, how he's finding work now, what it's like in sports media, baseball predictions, Stanley Cup predictions. All that kind of stuff, that's here in part one. If you want to hear about uh, the politics and sticking to sports and what he thinks about sports media members who don't get involved in politics, just kind of keep their mouths shut, that's all in part two. Part two also has the turn the tables and the fun five segments at the very end, so we have all that fun saved for you there as well. But without further ado, this episode talking sports only, here he is, Jesse Spector my guest this week we're going to talk a lot of stuff because it's playoff baseball season and he covers baseball uh, hockey's right around the corner and he covers hockey and we have one of the most ridiculous uh white house regimes of all time currently leading our country and he's very outspoken and vocal about that so we'll talk about that too he's the one and only jesse specter jesse what's happening man
1: oh yeah it's october crazy time here
0: always and uh you know, doing a freelance life right now uh, hasn't changed that one bit. Yeah, well, I can imagine. I want to talk to you about all that freelancing because people may know you from your sporting news days where you were there full time mm-hmm. and now you're doing the freelance thing. But I do start the show the same with every guest, no matter who they are, asking them what's the best thing that happened to you this past week. It can be anything in your life. So, what is it? Whew. Um,. I got to cover a playoff baseball game, and
1: that is uh, always a highlight and uh always super fun and it was a, a cool crazy game uh Yankees and the twins and um really enjoyed it so yeah you know, that's that's always a highlight never gets old um uh, being in the ballpark and being paid for it when it's you know a playoff game, which you know <laughs> doesn't get you better to than camp playoff out baseball. for that kind of thing, yeah. <laughs>
0: Well, I'm glad you say that because so many people, I'm sure, are glad to hear that, too, because there's that whole stereotype, right? The curmudgeonly writer or sports media member that just hates being there for a playoff game because, oh, shit, I got to write on deadline or whatever. But you don't realize how many people would kill to be in that spot. So I'm glad to hear you still appreciate it and enjoy it.
1: Oh, for sure. I, I Last year at Wrigley was kind of the epitome of that. Oh. Just like the Cubs are in the World Series. I'm here and I'm getting Paid for this, where people are like paying, you know, thousands and thousands
0: of dollars, dumping their life savings out to be there. Yeah, and I'm getting paid.
1: Oh, so good. Especially when you're in the when you're in the auxiliary box, which they set up in the stands. You're like, my view is the same as is better than your view, two sections over, and uh, you paid, I didn't. So (laughs) hey, I made. For for all the you know, all the stuff about how I've made a terrible career choice and I could have done much better for myself financially. Well, um, what would I've been doing with that money? I would have been looking to you know go take trips to see cool sporting events.
0: So. Right, you end up in the that same place, okay. <laughs> and this way you're getting paid to do it instead of shelling out your own bucks that you earned uh, elsewhere behind the desk. Yeah, um, Awesome, so you covered a playoff game. Before we get to your career and everything, let's, let's run through some predictions real quick. So give me your, your, your MLB playoff predictions. Uh, as of right now, we're recording this. The Astros beat uh, the Red Sox in their game one of the DS. Altuve went full bonds. And the Yankees are currently down, I think, 3 nothing to the Indians. So uh, as of this moment, how do you see the rest of the playoffs playing out?
1: As of this very moment, um I have I have no idea what I said preseason. Usually I like to stick with my preseason picks, but my preseason picks weren't published anywhere but Twitter this year, so <laughs> I'll go with the Astros. They looked really awesome in game one. And uh, they're a real good team.
0: So you're taking that you're riding them the whole way. That's you're gonna be your yeah, serious pick. Alright, I like sure. it. Awesome. Uh how about since we're doing predictions, give me your, your quick early Stanley Cup finals predictions. Um, we'll get those published well, right here. All right. Full disclosure:
1: I am writing uh, for the Devils' website this season, uh, so I will. Uh, I'm still not picking the Devils. They are. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think. Any, I don't think anybody it's on the Devils would be picking expect. the Devils to be honest. Um, I I think that they will be better than people expect, uh, but the expectations are super duper low. Um, uh, it's hard to go against the Penguins for a third straight. Uh, they're just. They've got it pretty well figured out, and you know they they are able to make the moves that they need to make at the deadline year after year to shore things up. And I I just I don't see it's one of those. I won't be at all surprised if they don't because winning two in a row is incredibly difficult. They did it. Winning three in a row is ludicrously difficult. So I mean I won't be surprised if they don't. But it's hard to say like who has a better chance than them. So, all right,
0: we'll go with the pens. We'll
1: ride it with the chalk. Three in a row. Yeah.
0: Alright, so now let's talk about you Let's talk about the career, Jesse So now you're, you're freelancing now You were writing yes. for Sporting News Run us through what that means You write for fan Rag. You just mentioned you, you write for the Devils uh, Doing hockey stuff So what, what's it like the life of a freelance writer As opposed to someone who is only Betrothed into one outlet Well The way that I look
1: at it right now Is that I'm basically working part time um, and that's kind of taken a, a lot of stress out of it for me personally and professionally that, you know, it's, it's a real tough business and, and getting back into it is I'm, I'm not even sure if I want my next full-time job to be, um, in, you know, traditional sports writing or if, or if I want to be, um, you know, in another Avenue, so somewhat related, I want to be around sports no matter what, cause it's just, you know what I'm good at and what I love. Um, but I have two young kids. They're, they're four and a half and two and a half. And basically when I got laid off from sporting news, it was sort of, all right, well, my wife had taken a a break in her career to, you know, stay home and you don't get that time back. Um, if you're, if you're working. So it was like, all right, you know, she didn't like her job before. So, um, so she quit and stayed home with the kids for a good four years. And, And then when I got laid off, um, you know, it it kind of put the pressure on for one of us to find some kind of full-time employment, and she did um, before I did, which, like I said, given the industry, not a really big surprise, and now uh, my daughter has started pre-K, so uh, she's in school most of the day, but I'm getting to spend, you know, spend days with my two-and-a-half-year-old son, and it's awesome, so that's kind of the way that I look at it, is that I'm, I'm a dad, and that's that's the full-time thing that I'm doing right now. And I'm doing sports writing work uh, when and where I can, you know, filling in with babysitters. My mom's been great too, and uh, it's, uh, it's fun. I, I like it. I like the fact that I'm not. Beholden to you know every time Kurt Schilling says some dumb fucking thing on Twitter, I don't have to you know write that up and find a 57th different way to say that Kurt Schilling's an asshole. All right, give like, us 500
0: words on Schilling stat.
1: Yeah, that's not my thing anymore, and I like that. I'm happy about that. Um, the money uh comparatively sucks, uh, and that shouldn't be a surprise because I'm you know I'm just filling in articles here and there, but I've got enough uh to keep me busy, keep me fresh, keep me involved and uh and working. It's it's fun cuz I'm writing for different audiences. I'm writing twice a week at FanRag. I'm writing once a week for Dealbreaker on a on a sports business sort of angle uh that often will skew more political. Um, writing once a week for The Score in, in Canada, which is uh more reporting based than the column stuff that I do. For fan rag and deal breaker and i was doing you know the colorado rockies team magazine uh, monthly during the baseball season and that was that was awesome and, and i hope that that's something that continues um i do a a streaming radio show for the tampa bay lightning and now i'm working for the devil's website writing for them once a week and uh it's it's great it's it's a variety and it's really cool and you know would i have asked for this no but it's pretty good for right now. And until I find whatever the next thing is, I don't feel uh, super pressured to do that. And that's a good thing because I'm, I'm working enough to to stay in it and stay out there. But you know, it's, it's not so much that it stresses me out. And you know, I'm not beholden to anybody. I'm, I am my own boss. So that's, uh, I I try to look at the positives of it more than the negatives of of a lack of stability
0: and uh, a lack of funds. Well, don't think of it that way. Think of it as a bounty of flexibility and a cornucopia of opportunity. Yeah, exactly. It's the optimist optimist look. And you're Mr. Worldwide. You're in Canada now, too. So you're expanding to international borders. So what's that process like? Because I'm sure for people who may not know the industry, and you've said it already a couple of times, and I know it as well as you, that it's tough. I mean, someone like Ken Rosenthal was self-publishing on Facebook just to write, you know, for the longest time. So for people who are on the outside... Looking in, and they must wonder, well, how does it work to get back on your feet? So you you've been able to cobble together a lot of amazing opportunities now, post sporting news. So how do you do it? What's what's that what's that system like or that process for you to find all these all these gigs? Um, you know, for as much
1: of a cesspool as Twitter is, it it does have its advantages, and uh, largely reaching out through people that I know from from Twitter was was the way that I set up. Uh, a lot of the stuff, um, you know, it, it happens that the editor at Dealbreaker is somebody who I've known since I was a little kid, like since we were eight years old. Um, but really, like we talk about networking, man. You put yeah. a lot of time on <laughs> <Yeah>. that one. <laughs> put it in there. And um, but like I mean, even even with him, like we reconnected as a result of social media. So it's it's not like we had been in touch all these years. Um, so it's really through that. And just, uh, you know, I, I, it, it really is, you know, a a social media thing. And, you know, even with, uh, with the Rockies, like I had had interactions with the Rockies team, Twitter feed, and there's a person behind that. And when I got laid out, I was like, Hey, um, person, (laughs) you?" (laughs) I know that you exist. Uh, do you guys have anything um, that maybe I could do for you? And they were like, yeah, uh, let's figure it out and, and work something out. Sure enough, you know, I was uh, spent the season writing once a month um, in their magazine, and that was – it was great. And, and that's you – yeah, know, that that gig is really special to me because one of the ways that I got into reading and got into baseball was, you know, having uh, the Yankees and Mets programs – when I was a kid and, and reading them and it was engaging to me and to be able to, to be sort of, uh, you know, doing that for the next generation of baseball fans and kids who are out there that might read. Um, it, it's special to me and it means a lot. And, and I wrote about that in the magazine of, of what that meant to me. So it, it's, it's really cool to have that. Um, you know, and, and there've been a couple other times when people have just been, uh, you know, networked and said, Hey, um, you know, I know this person, you should get in touch with them. Uh, let's, you know, put in a good word for you, you know, that, that kind of thing. Um, it's tough for me cause I'm, I am an, a fairly introverted person. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not really a person who goes out and, and like, you know, schmoozes everybody. So, uh, you might not be able to tell that from my Twitter persona, but it's, it's a lot different when you're online than, than when you're, uh, face to face, I feel, I feel we all, a lot less awkward. Yeah. We so. all
0: get a uh, keyboard courage, which I think some people use some, you know, very detrimental effects on Twitter. Yeah. But even for us, just, yeah, being, I'm the same as you, you put me in one of these, you know, business networking events and I'm lost, but you know, being able to write someone an email or just, you know, DMs back and forth, it's much, it's much easier to kind of get your point across, especially when you're trying to get something out of it.
1: And, and the funny thing is just on a human level, like, Twitter has kind of made that worse because I know that like so much of myself is out there and, and I meet people and I'm like, and they'll be like, Oh yeah, I follow you on Twitter. I'm like, Oh, um, uh, okay. I, I don't know, you know, exactly which of my tweets you've seen. And <laughs> you know, first of all, I'm sorry for all the time of yours that I've wasted, but, but also like, uh, what are we going to talk about? Because I, 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 don't know like what you want to hear about from me that you haven't already heard. And, you know, if, if you're already on that sort of, uh, where you, you open up on, on different levels of knowledge about each other. So it's like, I'm asking you basic stuff and it's not then, uh, the replies are stuff like you know you already know the the basic stuff of getting to know you that I right they
0: know. you them everything they need to know about you yeah, uh, yeah. Under 40 characters multiple times a day you're coming in front. yeah that's I never thought about that especially in someone like your position you have a lot of followers you got a big following all these people know everything about you and you know nothing about that
1: yeah uh, it's, good times
0: uh, hashtag Twitter
1: makes it makes it all the more fun for an already socially awkward.
0: Oh yeah, it's it's the best, isn't it? Um, so you get to sporting news, and for anyone who wants to kind of know your trajectory, I mean, your LinkedIn page—it's kind of a good uh, standalone there. I'm not going to make you regurgitate your whole career path, but uh, what for anyone—if there is a, that young, that next generation, that sports writer listening to this—what would you say is kind of the the tips for the getting the big break? Because you did some, you know, you were researching and you were, you know, doing more mm-hmm. stuff for ESPN and the AP, and then you finally got a Daily News writing gig. Yeah. So, what's that inflection point for someone in your shoes, looking back? Uh, yeah, I
1: I don't know necessarily exactly what it was that tipped it, um, that that got me to where I was at the Daily News and and made that happen. I know that. When I got the opportunity at the Daily News that, that came through just a press box connection of somebody, you know, Adam Rubin, who covered the, the Mets for the Daily News for a long time, had covered the Brooklyn Cyclones um, at the at the Daily News at a time in 2001 that I was uh, covering the Cyclones for the Brooklyn Eagle on a summer job uh, between my junior and senior years of college. And he had gone to Penn, I went to Penn, so we, we knew each other that way we, we did not overlap at Penn. So like we didn't know each other from but Like we had that in common. Um, so I was able to feel like I could, you know, look through the college newspapers, alumni directory, look up and say, Hey, uh, you know, we, we work together sort of occasionally in the Cyclones press box. Um, you know, I, I know that you're the daily news. I, I know that you're not the person who hires, but you know, can you help me to get my foot in the door? And he's like, yeah, sure. You know, get in touch with Hank Whittaker, who now is the sports editor at Newsday. Um, and great guy who was just like, sure, come on in. Uh, you can answer phones, take high school basketball scores. And that's what I did. Get the and agates, baby.
0: Get those agates in the baby. Yeah. No one um, listening to this probably knows what that means, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. you, you got to do it. It's, it's, it's a long-loss exactly. hard Exactly. so <laughs> So from,
1: from there, it was just like, my foot was in the door, and then it was just a matter of constantly asking, what else can I do? And, you know, what else can I do turned into doing a a, a This Day in Yankee History box for their 100th anniversary that, you know, I, I researched and put in the time and, and you know, wrote those boxes every day. And, uh, you know, that, that turned into, they liked the quality of the writing, and especially the fact that I was a clean writer and they said, do you think that you could, um, edit copy? And I was like, sure. You know, so during the summer that year in in 03, they had me, uh, you know, do a couple of copy editing shifts a week filling in for people that were on vacation or whatever. And, um, you know, I was just made, made it a point to be there as much as I can at the same time that I was working a part-time job. And that year, uh, personally sucked a lot. And, uh, you know, there, there were points in it that I thought maybe I should give up. Um, and finally, uh, December of that year, uh, they offered me a full-time job on the copy desk, which was not what I wanted. I wanted to be a writer, but it was a full-time job. And I was not uh, happy working two jobs. So I said, yes, absolutely. I will take this full-time job and, and make the most of it. And it, you know it took a long time after that. It was you know seven years on the desk where I was writing at every opportunity that I could get to write you know i I kind of pushed my way into letting them uh them letting me do a baseball blog about you know out of town baseball um where I basically would go to Yankee Stadium and Shea Stadium and you know talk to players on opposing teams and write stat stuff about whatever was going on and, and made that my own. And, you know, finally, um, years and years later in, in 2010, they made me the, the hockey Rangers beat writer. Um, and I think the rest of it is a fairly normal trajectory. Yeah. That first
0: domino, once it falls, then you become a seven year overnight success as they say. Um, (laughs) and you know, honestly, uh, it's good that that happened when it did
1: because uh, that that first and, as it turned out, only season that I was covering the Rangers for the Daily News is when I turned 30. And I kind of had it in my mind that if I wasn't writing full-time by the time I turned 30, that I'd go in a different direction and figure out something else to do with my life. So uh,
0: that I, I beat the clock just barely. Yeah, saved watch. by, uh, not by the bell, by the goal buzzer, I guess, in this case. Yeah, But Yeah, good timing, very fortuitous. And now you're big in Canada. So you, you've made it. You, you took that baton and kind of ran with it. So sure. Now, so, so now, I mean, you've gone from copy desk to doing magazine writing, deadline writing, uh, game coverage, you know, radio hits, TV hits, all this kind of stuff as, as the industry has bloomed. Uh, have you found that that was something you wanted to do as well? All this radio stuff or multimedia? Because I know some writers, you know, they always, that's their dream. I'm going to write. You know, maybe Stephen A. Smith type, just so I can eventually get on TV and expand my brand. And then other guys hate doing that stuff. They would rather just be behind the computer screen, you know, the written word, and that's that. Where do you kind of fall on that camp now that you've had some reps and some years behind it? I I love it when it's good. And <laughs> yeah, we all do. <laughs> yeah, TV is usually good.
1: Uh, they they always you know make it right and and know what they do. I've never had. Uh, a TV experience that I wasn't happy about having done, happy about doing. Um, some of the in-house video stuff that you wind up doing feels forced. And, and I think that's something that you know, a lot of print writers, that's that's where the real annoyance at it comes in that like, you know, all these, all these sites are doing video and you feel like one, it's pushing you aside. And you know that you know what people do online, and and that they don't necessarily, um, you know, watch video the way that all these sites seem to think that that people watch video. Um, radio is uh hit or miss, radio can be really fun, radio can be awful, and there was uh one year at, at Sporting News where. Uh, they had us, you know, do like measurable goals and it's tough to come up with, you know, what are my measurable goals as a, as a sports writer over the like, course of the next year from
0: HR you mean, or, you know, like, yeah. Your, yeah. Episodes, like on your,
1: oh. on your performance review, like you were supposed Sounds to come up, with, like, you know, come up with five, five goals. And, you know, it was like, all right, you know, get a 10% bump year over year in unique visitors to my, my work or whatever. And one of the ones that I put on there one year was, you know, do at least uh 50 radio hits in the year and i you know i it wasn't that i had to seek him out because when you're listed as a national writer in the the league-wide publications they have like a whole list of like you know who, who are the national writers for this sport and that's how radio stations get a lot of especially in in smaller places how radio stations find uh their guests and a lot of them are terrible. <laughs> uh, <laughs> like gosh, ha- have you listened to sports talk radio? A lot of it's really bad. I'm not really breaking any ground here saying that. It's um it-, it can be really really awful and there's a reason for that and it's uh so so some of those are really bad and they they were just ask you stuff that like was very clear that they hadn't looked into what your work was. They were just trying to make sure that they had a guest who sounded like they were important. And that came with a nice on. title. Right. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, what trade rumors are you hearing? Well, I, I read Ken Rosenthal and John Heyman. I, I can tell you what they have written. Um, aside from that, I am not, uh, the guy to ask that.
0: At right. All. So, yeah. <laughs> uh,
1: what managers on on um, the, the ones on the bad teams. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, I'm at the point now where if it's an unknown place, I will generally turn it down. Oh, uh, you've gotten um, big time. I, you can start saying no. Well, I've, I have no obligation to it and it doesn't help me at all. Cause that's the that thing part that, I, that, true. I, that I yeah. found
0: it, It's going to be detrimental was, to you personally.
1: Yeah. I, for one thing, you can wind up just with a really awful experience, which, uh, happened at, uh, speaking of, you know, Kurt Schilling, um, one time I wrote a column bashing Kurt Schilling and W E I in Boston was like, you know, would you like to come on and talk about it? And I did not realize that they were super pro Kurt Schilling on that station. And they just basically called to yell at me. And I was like, the hell with this. And I hung up. And then I just took took abuse on Twitter for the rest of that day. And um Yeah, you know, that that was kind of a turning point. I'm like, I don't have to do this because I've also noted that when I do radio, it's not like I get a bump in people coming over to read my stuff. It's really all the benefit is to the radio station. So if I'm going to do it, I'm just going to do it for the places where I have a good time uh, talking. And, and it's it's funny. It's like, you know, shows like Low Tide in Edmonton I love doing. and you know, It's always a good time. And you know, I, I wouldn't have thought that, like, I would really enjoy – Talking about whatever to a radio station in Edmonton, but here we are. It's a great time, and you know, there's there's other stations in Montreal, uh, six ninety up there. They're always fun. Um, I'll always say yes to WFAN in New York because they're they're the hometown station. And, well, while and we that grew still up, still on... feels like a big deal. Yeah, and, and even though um, I know that it's not necessarily going to be the best time for me, it still feels like. It's it's important and a big deal, so I'll do that. Um, you know, and, and KMOX in St. Louis, which is, which is funny because, like, I take so much from people in St. Louis who think that I hate the Cardinals, which I don't. I don't care about the Cardinals. Like, <laughs> yeah. I don't they're... hate them.
0: I'm just apathetic.
1: <laughs> yeah, which to to a lot of people is like, oh, then you hate them. Right. Um, You know, and, and I've also annoyed them at times with my view that, like, Cubs Cardinals isn't the rivalry that it's made out to be, um, and and that it's you know an overrated rivalry, which East has Coast become bias, less so. Jesse,
0: East Coast bias,
1: you know what? It's not East Coast bias. It's the fact that the Cubs sucked for a hundred years. Right, but that's what they'll accuse you of. Yeah, yeah. And, and like they didn't play any meaningful games between each other the last four years. They have, you know, and and that's changed things, and that's changed the dynamic. Uh, of that rivalry, for the way better, and I wound up writing a column about it. I think last year, saying this is this is good now. This is finally living up to what everybody says it is. Like the Yankees and Do- Yankees and Red Sox and the Dodgers and Giants have spent a century beating up on each other in games that matter and games that count. One screwing over the other. The Cardinals and the Cubs was basically, you know, maybe occasionally the Cubs would win a couple of games to spoil something for the Cardinals. But the Cubs sucked. And, like, the few times that the Cubs were good, the Cardinals weren't. The Cardinals weren't good in 84. The Cardinals weren't good, uh, you know, the late aughts when, when the Cubs were winning those divisions. Um, you know, that was the downtime before the Cardinals picked back up, um, you know, kind of between the 06 World Series and, and when they, you know, uh, went back. They they had a couple of down years there where the Cubs ran away with the, with the Central. So, it's really only the last couple of years that they've. I've gotten away from the topic here, but yeah, it's it's finally good. And what's funny about that is, that like, for all the all the stuff that I take from St. Louis, and I also rip on their pizza all the time because it's garbage. <laughs> it's not food. Um, never had St. Louis, St. never Louis, had
0: St. Louis pizza. I, I wouldn't.
1: Don't. And don't use the word pizza with it really because it's not. It's uh, glue and ketchup on cardboard. Well, I do and love ketchup, ketchup in, but that doesn't yeah. sound
0: like the right uh, mix or combination for me.
1: It's terrible. There's a the cheese is called Provel, and seriously, it it's industrial glue. It's terrible. Noted. Don't eat it. Noted. Um, so I I never miss an opportunity to take shots at at uh, St. Louis "quote unquote" pizza, uh, particularly Emo's, uh, the the worst pizzeria I have ever been to in my entire life. Um, <laughs> so people in St. Louis think that I can't stand them, that I like have it in for St. Louis. Toronto thinks this as well, uh, and I love Toronto. It's it's really funny. I've just over the years said that the blue Jays and the Leafs are not as good as everybody says they are or, or that they really stink. And they, people take offense it and think, Oh, you, you really hate our whole city. No, I don't. And I don't hate St. Louis either. St. Louis, um, you know, will always have a special place in my heart too. Cause it was, uh, the last road trip that I made as a non-parent was four days in St. Louis. The blues had, uh, three home games in four days in, in a real weird stretch. And I was there, um, my daughter was due to be born at the end of March in 2013. She came three weeks early, which was two days after I got back from that trip. So I I, I will always uh, think of St. Louis in in terms of that trip. And you know I had a good time at the 2013 World 20 yeah 2013 World Series, um, 2013 World Series too. was the first uh, World Series that I covered was uh, Red Sox Cardinals, and and that was great. So. But, yeah, the, the point there was Camel uh, X is one of the stations that yeah. I always really enjoyed <laughs> going on. <laughs> and I wound up
0: talking for 10 minutes about how I don't really hate St. Louis. Well, that's, okay. a pod- that's a podcast for four. We just go round and round in circles and eventually come back to some point where we started. All right. That was the end of part one with Jesse Specter. For part two, make sure if you already subscribed, you're going to have it in your feed, but uh, if not, make sure to uh, check out part two. In that one, Jesse and I talk about the whole stick to sports thing, and when when he thinks it's okay for other sports media members to abstain from the political conversation, and when he thinks they should say something. We go through all that, we do turn the tables where he asks me some questions, we do the fun five where he finds out what uh, current athlete he thinks would make the best WWE wrestler. A lot of fun stuff there, so... Head to the iTunes store, wherever you listen to this podcast. Uh, subscribe, so that way you get part two coming in. Make sure you rate and review. We really do appreciate it when you guys give us all the love that you can. But for part two with Jesse Specter, make sure to download it. For part one, thanks for listening, and we'll catch you on the other side.